thank you. What an honor it is to be here and uh, share with you a little of our journey. And uh, as as David said, uh, and I appreciate him so much uh, to be found faithful. He is a faithful servant and a faithful man of the word. And appreciate him so much and uh, his love for God and love for others and his faithfulness. And so he asked me to share a little bit today and... uh, you know, getting into this whole idea of Job and teaching on Job and his life experience and all he went through, it's very humbling because it's like you don't want to be compared to Job in any way because he is, was a mighty man of God and what he endured. It's So many of us have endured things in life, but probably nothing compared to what he actually went through. So our story in no way, shape, and form do I want it to sound like, uh, well, I'm looking for sympathy or that we've arrived uh, because uh, even yesterday I received a phone call with things regarding my health. And so so we're, we're wanting to move out of Job quickly into prosperity and uh, something like that. But, but I'm thankful to be here. And so um, I just wanted to start with, if you've ever been in a position where you received a phone call, and it was the kind of phone call that you never, ever, ever wanted, as parents, I think one of the scariest things is to receive a phone call saying there's been an accident or something similar to that. And uh, uh, I think that's the greatest fear that anybody has is to receive those kinds of phone calls or the doctor calling and saying, we have the results of your tests. And so then that just changes your whole world instantly when you are in those places. And so that's what's happened to us. And so um, the kind of the jumping off point is the firm foundation that we have uh, through Christ in troubled times. And so uh, I was saved at 19 years old and had a very troubled childhood. And uh, God rescued me from that at 19. And we got into ministry. My wife and I are going to be married 49 years. We, I know we don't look that old. But uh, we've been married, going to be married 49 years, and we jumped into ministry like right away. So we have almost 100 years of ministry between us, which is really thrilling and exciting to still be alive and serving the Lord. But, but it is an honor to be here. So I just wanted to start out with a little bit of our story and get into hopefully some scripture that will encourage you. Um, I'm going to run through a number of things, and I, I could spend a lot of time in any number of things, but, uh, you know, we've been through things with our children. Uh, Marianne's had miscarriages. She's had a rare blood cancer, and we found that out just before I went to Florida to do my son's wedding. So she's in, uh, is in a position now where her, her cancer is being held at bay. It could come back any time. They don't know what causes it. They don't know how to get rid of it, but that's where she is. And so experiencing that and then... Um, my son was married in Florida, and his wife um, got Lyme disease, and basically um, her life was devastated. And my son was in nursing school, had to drop out of nursing school to be a full-time caregiver, and uh, they were very young, and so uh, it didn't get better. It got worse, and uh, she's uh, alive, uh, but uh, their marriage ended because she asked him to leave. And, uh, and then she had somebody else move in with her. So then I had to go to Florida and help get my, convince my son to move back to Wisconsin. And uh, their marriage unfortunately ended. He is remarried, but his wife has breast cancer. So they're kind of going through that. And then at the same time, 
that he moved up, my other, my son-in-law, whose father abandoned him, and I was his father, I was his his best friend, and he was he was not just my son-in-law, but he was my son, and he developed Lyme disease, and it completely devastated. He lost everything. Uh, he pretty much uh, had lost his mind, and uh, he was a guy who he was a great Bible teacher. Uh, he, he studied at New Tribes through Moody. He was one of the elders in our church. Uh, he was a brilliant guy, could do everything and anything. And uh, uh, the Lyme disease just devastated him. We were coming back from Mackinac Island, and uh, that's when we got the phone call that changed our lives really forever, was that phone call from my daughter. We were 10 minutes from home, and my daughter called and said, Dad, Mom, can you come over right away? I've never talked about this in front of people in light of kind of, I've talked to individuals, so um, I'm just going to get real up here. Uh, so we turned a corner, there was police cars everywhere, fire truck, ambulance, tape around, and uh, he had told me he wouldn't take his life, but that's ultimately what happened. And so. We turned a corner, my daughter was sitting in the back of a squad car, Marianne pretty much collapsed. I started running toward the house to see my son. And at that point, you know, I, I saw the garage door open, I thought maybe he took his life in the garage. And uh, uh, I was running toward the house and the police officer stopped me. And, and I said, I'm a pastor, I deal with these things all the time. I, you know, I, I, wanna, I wanna see my son. And they said, we can't let you go. He was in the backyard. you got to talk to the coroner. Well, that's when everything really changed. Was the coroner said, uh, he's unrecognizable. So I'm sorry, to, it's pretty crude what I'm saying and very uh, humbling and, and devastating. So that's when everything really changed for us. And so um, we took my daughter home and... And here's, here's the thing, when, when we look at God working and how he works behind the scenes, as difficult as that was, my daughter ended up having to work overtime that day, and so the kids were taken to a friend's house. Uh, had my daughter gotten home, when she did, she probably would have found him. But a neighbor had heard what happened and found him and called. So even in that, we saw God's grace in protecting my family. So I had to pick up the kids my daughter moved in with us that night, and I had to explain to my kids, my grandchildren, they'd never see their father again. And, and that was, you know, uh, there was no goodbye. And it was so bad that he was living in a bedroom by himself. He had to wear a respirator all the time. That even any kind of fragrance would make him deathly ill. If he'd sit in the yard, just somebody running their dryer with the dryer sheets would make him sick. And so he was, he, he couldn't, he couldn't even function. So... That phone call, like I said, changed our lives forever. And, and the hard thing was, um, how do you explain to two young children, you know, what's going on? And for us, I was pastoring at the time. And, you know, and, and this is one of the beautiful things of being a pastor. When, when a congregation is going through difficult times, the pastor comes alongside the families in those difficult times. Uh, I've, been, I've been involved with... Other people taking their lives, 
um, car accidents where I've had to identify the body of uh, the, the, the teenager, um, being, children being born, stillborn, crying once and dying. and I, I could go on and on and all these different things. And so God gives you the grace to go through these different things. But this is where the firm foundation comes in. Had I not sought God when I was a young Christian and I poured my life into studying and learning about the Word of God, the things of God is what sustains us. It's, it's that when you're reading in John here, and I'm just going to read this in a minute here, but this concept of who God is and that he is sovereign and he is in control. And even in the midst of the most difficult things, and I forgot to mention my wife and I were kidnapped in Mexico a number of years ago with missionaries. And I was in the middle of a coup in Guatemala where they were shooting up our bus and they were massacring uh, Americans at that time. So we've been through a few things. And again, I come back to the, the reality of that God has been faithful. But had I not grown, grown deep and wide in the foundation of the truths of Scripture and who God is, we never could have made it. So I'm going to just read from John now this whole idea of, and I, I love this because John is telling the story. It's the greatest story ever told, the Gospels, telling about the birth and the, the life of Christ and the deity of Christ. So John 1 through 5. Um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made that have been made, everything in life. In Him was life, and is life, and that life is, and it says was, but is the light of men, the light that shines in the darkness, the light that shines in the darkness. So when, I, when we look at the, the, the fact that Christ was in God the Father, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit's involved in all of creation. Everything that exists is because of Him. So when we come, when we have struggles and, and terrible times in our life, we have to go to Him. We have to turn to Him because He is the sustainer and creator of all things. And understanding is, we're going to look at in a second, our worldview. How are we viewing life through the lens of what we believe? Do we understand who's ultimately in control? Do we understand that he holds everything together. I was just watching uh, the news this week and about the new galaxies that they're finding. I mean, it's this, the universe goes on and on beyond anything that we can begin to comprehend. That is the God who created that, is the God who cares about you. Every single thing in your life, he cares about. We listen to kind of instrumental music in the morning sometimes, and there's a one song that says, His eye is on the sparrow. I don't know if you remember that song. His eye is on the sparrow. He cares about you in the, even the simplest of things. He cares for you, and he's there for you. As we, as we look at this aspect of, I just love this here, in him was life. In him is and was life. And I think of before I knew Christ, I, I grew up in a religious home. But before I knew Christ, I just, God was out there, but I didn't have a personal relationship with him. So as I entered into this personal relationship with him, and Living in Chicago, I moved down there to get away from uh, where I was living with crazy people. <clears throat> and I met my wife in Chicago at a Bible study. So God led me to Chicago to meet my wife. And, uh, and that was an interesting experience, too, because she was brought up Irish Catholic. Her mother's from Ireland. And you don't leave the Catholic Church. I mean, so uh, they didn't give us permission to get married. So we got married, and it was uh, pictures of her mother and father at her wedding. It's like they were at a hanging. I mean, they were glad. They were not glad to be there. But God worked, and their parents ended up coming to Christ. 
her parents ended up coming to know Jesus. And uh, her brother, I actually led her brother to Christ at this Bible study, not knowing that it was Marianne's brother. So that was pretty cool how God worked all that out. And his kids are walking with the Lord. And so God is so good as we look at this aspect here. I just love this of the fact that God cares about us so much that he knew and he understands our life. And what I love in Philippians when it talks about the fact that that Jesus Christ is this process of, of conforming us into his image and that he has begun this work in us and he is in this process of completing this incredible work, this miraculous pieces of artwork that we are, these living, uh, Ephesians 2.10 talks about, we are his craftsmanship, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good things. And so as we're going through life and we're suffering and we're going through difficulties and we're facing struggles in life, he is in this process with us. We have the Spirit of God within us. And there's times where I've, I've had to just cry out to God when, like for instance, when we were being kidnapped and we thought we were going to die, they had us lined up on the side of the hill after they robbed us. We were expecting to get shot in the back of the head. We just sat there holding hands thinking this is it. But you know what? We were a complete peace. And I, you know, God's grace and mercy in times of difficulty it shows up in ways that you can't comprehend. We were at peace. We thought we were going to die. We were in complete peace. And I can't, I can't tell you how wonderful that is because sometimes you wonder, like, what's it going to be like at the end of life? Or what's it going to be like when you're on your deathbed? What's it going to be like when the wheels fall off or you lose your job or you have no money or you find out that you're terminally ill? What is it going to be like? How are you going to survive that? God shows up with his grace and mercy. I just turned 70 years old and being saved about 51 years, I can say through our journey, God has been so faithful. He has always showed up. Not been easy at times. Not been easy at times. So then the next part I just wanted to share with you, he goes on to say here in, uh, let me just back up here a second. In James, uh, I just want to read in chapter 1, verses 2 through 8, and I just love these verses, too, when he talks about, Consider pure joy. Consider pure joy, brothers, whenever you face many kinds of troubles. Many kinds of troubles. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Now, sometimes when we're going through things, you know, he talks about, you know that. We know that. We're going through these difficult things, and they're going to produce all this fruit and all these things in our life. When you're in the midst of it at times, you don't know whether you're coming or going. You know, you've, you've, um, recently I was on the ferry uh, going across Lake Michigan. We went there back. We were on a motorcycle trip, and I, the, it was really rough. Michigan was really rough, and so we're on this high-speed ferry, and it's pitching and rolling. So you try to get up, and you're going to, to get coffee, and you're, you're walking like this and that, and, and uh, you feel like you're going to fall over. And so you're like, okay, how can I focus on this imbalance? And so you try to figure out a way to do it, but then you realize... You can fall and knock yourself out real easily. So this whole idea of being tossed to and fro, we're going to get to this here in just a second, this idea of being imbalanced and facing things that are, that are just destabilizing you in every aspect of life. He goes, consider pure joy whenever you face many kinds of trials because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. In other words, having all its parts. And one of the things that's so significant here is the fact that 
that God is in this process of conforming us to the image of Christ by us going through all these different things in life. And no two lives are the same. I always try to be careful with people who are going through difficult times not to say, I know how you're feeling. I know how you're feeling. Because you, unless you may be going through that exact thing, you maybe don't know how you're feeling or how, how to relate to that. So all you can do is come alongside someone and say, hey, I'm praying for you. I love you, brother. I always tell people at times of death and funeral, when you were standing in line, we went through this with our son when he, he passed away, that people come up to you and say crazy things to you because they don't know what to say. So would you just step back and say, you know what? They're trying to comfort you. They don't know what to say. But God will give you the grace to deal with the instability of all these different tests as we go along. And then he goes on to say here, if any of you are lacking wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously without finding fault and will be given to him. <clears throat> but when he asks, you must not doubt. Now one of the most difficult things that we go through in life is doubts. We, you know, when we find ourselves in these difficult times, we begin to doubt God. I think everybody from time to time doubts God for something in their life. And you, you wonder, like, how are we going to make it through this? But I just want to suggest this, that the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so when we start thinking about being two-souled, it's one of the definitions, two-souled, double-minded. One of the things the enemy wants to do is destroy us through doubting the words of God, by doubting the things that we know to be true. The enemy is so good at throwing those things in our face or bringing people alongside you and doubting it. And Job experienced that, or he had so-called counselors. Well, there's people that will come up to you and say things to you that are heretical. They'll say things to you that just completely throw you off your balance and off guard. So I just want to encourage you as we look at this here, and I go on to say here that in, uh, because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. In other words, completely out of control. That man should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all he does. So, when we get to this point, we have to make a, an actual thought process that determines, are we going to trust God or are we going to be double-minded? Anybody who's going through life, and, and, and the enemy is good at this, and the day and age we're living in now, you want to doubt everything, don't you? As we look at, as we look at the leadership here, we look at this, this, this instability that the world that we're seeing around us right now makes you doubt, is God good? Have you ever come to that place in a difficult time in your life where you wonder, is God really good? Is he really good? He is good. And, and we look at it through the lens of this world, and the world will tell you, no, God isn't good. He doesn't care. He wants to isolate you. He wants to leave you. He's not going to be there for you. So in the world that we're living in right now, there's instability. We see it all around us. What are we basing our faith on? What do we, what do we know to be true? What do we know to be true? And so this idea of, of being double-minded is a destroyer of life. It really is. If you ever thought of it, being double-minded is a destroyer of life. And so when you find yourself in those difficult situations like we've been through, what do I know to be true? And this is where I can say, being saved roughly 50-some years, I, I'll go back to looking at God's faithfulness in my life. And I can honestly say, looking back, God has always been faithful. Not always been easy, not always, not always been a walk in the park, but God has been faithful every step of the way. When my wife found out that she had this rare blood cancer, first of all, it took a long time, I think it was a couple of years almost, for them to 
diagnose what this was. And then the treatment, we didn't know if the treatment would work or not. And uh, then she went into remission, and she's been in remission. But th those are the times when you're hanging on to the Lord, and you're like, okay, we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but God, we're putting our trust in you. And the worst case scenario is you get to go be with the Lord, but then you have you go through the process of leaving and, and the grieving. And seeing what that does is losing people, our loved ones that are around us. So we have to keep coming back to God is has us on this path. He is a faithful God, and he's bringing us through this, this process. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things that are not seen. And I just love that, that, that we have that faith, we put our trust in him, based on who he is, not on how we want to make God proud of our problem in our culture today, is we're all trying to make God into our image of what we think God should be. And this is where coming back to the foundation of the fact that he has promised us, Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He gives us and seals us with the person of the Holy Spirit. And when you find yourself in those most difficult times, that's when God shows up in the most incredible ways. When you, you can't turn to a philosophy, you can't turn to psychology, you can't turn to uh, even friends at times, because they may not understand what you're going through. But the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit of God, who is our counselor, he's our guide. He protects us, he directs us, he softens our heart, he guides our hearts. He brings us to a point of repentance at times when we need that. So he is there all the time with us. And I, I just come back to this idea of the double-minded double being tossed to and fro like a ship on the sea. And how we need to continually come back to what do we know to be true. And this is where memorizing scripture, uh, when we've read uh, 1 John, when I was just reading it, those are some of the first verses I ever memorized as a Christian. Was in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All these things are because of what God has done, and, what he, and he gives us this privilege of living in this world for this period of time. All we have is right here, right now. We know this life is but a vapor. It appears just for a moment, it's gone. It's gone in a moment. And, you know, I, 70 isn't that old, but I've just turned 70, and I'm like, what happened? I was just like 30 years old the other day, you know, and, and I'm like, I'm looking in the mirror like, who is this guy? You know, I feel like the same, but it's like, it just, it goes so fast. And, you know, when you're younger, it's like, it just, you're in school, you're like, oh, we're going to die here. But as you get older, time just goes fast, so fast, and you're like, what is going on? So I, I'm determined that the whatever years I have left, I want to be found faithful in serving the Lord and walking with him and helping others. We have the privilege of mentoring younger pastors and pastor's wife. My wife mentors pastor's wives. I get together with other pastors around, and I try to encourage them when there's times where, man, you just feel like you're, you're pushing a rope. It's one of my picture of pushing a rope. Sometimes in ministry you feel like you're pushing a rope and you're not getting anywhere. It's just kind of like hang in there, hang in there. What God is doing in your life and building character and integrity and, and that's what I appreciate about David is his faithfulness to this congregation, his faithfulness to this community is really fantastic. Because there's a lot of guys jumping ship in ministry. I'm just going to keep it real. There's a lot of guys jumping ship. And it's tough. Ministry is tough. We live in a world where you're being challenged with everything you say and everything you do and everything, everything's turned upside down and it's happening so fast. It is just happening so fast. So the next point I just want to share with you here is this 
this idea of and my the power. Where do we get the power? Where do we get the strength? Ephesians six verses ten through eighteen, and these these are very common verses. The armor of God. <clears throat> But I just want to focus on one part of the armor this morning. Excuse me. In Ephesians 6, uh, 10 to 18, it goes on to say here, our struggle, our struggle, where is our struggle? What does it look like? Our struggle. Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against those spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. There's so much demonic warfare going on. I, I can't tell you how many people I meet with, and, and I talk to them, and there's these, these uh, it's demonic. There's a demonic warfare battle going on, and it's always been going on. And it's going on on different levels in different ways in different places. And so the strongholds that I see in people's lives and how they're just captivated by, by these influences of evil. And then there's the principalities and things in the air, the, the warfare going on in the heavenlies. So there's this invisible war that's going on. And, of course, Ephesians talks about this idea of what do we do to protect ourselves to stand against the wiles and the schemes of the devil. Um, I have a friend of mine who's third generation occultist, and he made it out. He's a believer, and I've gone on a mission, mission trip with him. And um, we were next. To, we were out in a little uh, uh, desert area where there was a Bible institute, and there was a little village uh, next to us. And uh, the, the, there was a lot of spiritual activity going on. And I woke up one morning, and Larry was standing at the foot of my bed. I'm like, what are you doing? And he goes, I've been, I'm praying for you. I mean, it was kind of weird. It's keeping it real here, you know, like, hello. Uh, but, uh, so, so I saw, he goes, there is so much evil and warfare going around here. And I just felt like I needed to stand guard over you and pray for you. And I was like, wow, okay. Um, but, but, so, so Larry, who, you know, he, he, he taught me a number of things. He said, there's things that go on in the church. The enemy, these occult groups, the women in the group, they were they were challenged to go into churches and cause disturbances and try to seduce leaders in the church to get the church to fall. And this was one of the things that he was aware of. And uh, and so we, we talked about different things. And I asked him, I said, you know, Larry, I'd like to little more, know a little bit more about these things that you've been through, the things that you've experienced in your life, third generation, you made it out of there alive. I want to know more. And you know, he looked at me and he said, you know what, Tom, there's only one thing you need to know is the word of God. He said, you don't need to know these things. Some of these things you don't need to know because once you know them, you can't get rid of them. You can't get them out of here. But he said, you focus on the truth. You focus on the word of God. That's how you defeat the enemy. That's how you walk with the Lord. That's how I've made it out alive is I focus completely on the Lord and on his word. And boy, that really spoke to me. I thought, you know, so many times we like to dabble on the dark side, and we think, oh, it's kind of kind of interesting. Hollywood likes to make it look kind of, you know, maybe interesting. But boy, once you cross the line and open yourself up to demonic entities and things, and people do it unawaringly all the time by what we allow into our homes. But I just wanted to share this with you. In this point here, it says about putting on the armor of God and that you can stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. And he talks about the belt of truth. Now, the, the interesting thing is the belt that they would wear around them. Everything, 
was sustained by that belt. They would put their swords on there, and when they would get ready to run into battle, they would take their, their if it was kind of a flowing kind of a, whatever they were, they tuck it in the belt so they could run without tripping. But it was key to their protection. Everything started with this belt of truth. And, you, and I just want to focus on that for a couple minutes, this belt of truth. What does that look like? Well, of course, we know it's the Word of God, but it's finding good counsel, too. One of the most important things today as we seek counsel is to make sure it's sound biblical counsel. There's a lot of things being married together today in what we would call counseling that's actually very dangerous. So finding truth, that's that, and you know it's truth because it's transforming power and it's convicting power. Truth always will convict us. So he goes on to say here about this idea of the belt of truth. And you think, in our culture today, how much truth do you think we're actually hearing? I, I, I mean, we don't have to go very far to find false teaching or, or the media. And what does the truth look like? What, what, does, what does it look like? So if we're going to stand against the enemy, if we're going to do everything we can to stand, we have to base everything that we are learning and we're doing on the truth, on this belt. And so everything else, the armor of God is significant, but it is the truth. And I, I can't emphasize that enough because I know that's what saved us. My, my wife and I, our marriage, our family is focusing on the truth over the years. What does the Word of God say? And I don't mean that to be cliche. I mean, it, it has to be something that we know that we can completely rely upon all the time, no matter what, that when we're seeking His Word, It'll transform us. And again, I look at I look at people that I've known who have wandered away from the truth, and they've crashed and burned in their Christian lives. They moved, they wandered away. Um, they became arrogant. They became proud. Uh, they they allowed themselves to be taken captive by the enemy. So this idea of the belt of truth is so significant. So these are the just kind of three things that have helped Marianne and I as we've gone through our life, and that is. Knowing Christ and who he is and the power of his resurrection, knowing that and then being stable-minded and not allowing things to just whip us one way or another, that we're, our foundation is in, in faith alone and Christ alone and in the finished work of Calvary has a resurrected power, the power and the sealing of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and basing our lives on what the Word of God has to say to us. But then again, this idea of being protected with the armor of God and the truth of God and that is the thing that when the enemy comes to you and uh, you, you know, when you go through a suicide situation and people come to you, and, and one of the things we did at my son's funeral was we helped, we hit suicide head on. We didn't dance around it. We hit it head on. And we let everybody know it was sin. It was wrong. It was sin. He, my son Brennan would have said it was sin. But here's the thing. When the enemy gives you a lie, here's what the enemy tells you. Just give up. Forget this Christianity stuff. Just, just give up. Just, just walk away. And, and, uh, and, and you know what? You're better off doing this and staying alive for your family. Whenever I look at my grandchildren, 18 and 20 now, I still see the hurt in them. They're doing pretty well, but they, they still hurt. They miss their father. They want they would have their father back. But somehow the enemy, in that particular case, he maybe won that fight, but he didn't win the battle. Because Brendan knew the Lord. He loved the Word of God. He used to, we, we were singing a song about there's no condemnation. Whew, 
when he found his Bible, it was so bad he had to read it in a plastic bag because the ink and the smell would make him sick. He kept it in a plastic bag, and we found his Bible, and it was open. Romans 8, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's the truth. That's the truth, is that there's no condemnation that God loved him, God loves him, he lost the battle. I never was angry with him for what he did. I broke my heart that it ended the way it did. But the enemy will lie to you to give up on your life, to give up on the Lord, to walk away from God, give up on your relationship. You know, there's times in life where the enemy will tell you, just give up, just walk away. And that's what God's saying, no, no, just come to me, trust me, look to me. He's a deliverer. He delivers us from bondage. He is the bond, the true bondage breaker, is the person of the Holy Spirit who will help you break through these walls and these barriers, these doubts, these fears, whatever, whatever your situation may be, that God has you here for a purpose. And you know what? Again, going back to our worldview, this isn't our home. We're just, we're just passing through. We're here for a moment in time. And as we pass through and we will reach that stage where we'll be in the presence of the Most High God, and we will be, you know, all eternity, there will be no more illness, sickness, death, no more crazy politics, there will be no more crazy anything. But we will be in the presence of the Most High God, and we'll get to live and worship and walk with Him and love Him. And we have that to look forward to, but the enemy is a good liar. And so I just encourage you to these areas of truth, and being stable and looking to him and not being tossed back and forth, but to believe what you believe and uh, to seek counsel, godly counsel. Prayer is so powerful that you seek out people who will pray with you and lift you up in times of difficulty. One of the lies of the enemy is to isolate you from other believers. He wants to isolate you, keep you away from other people, and how we need the body of Christ. When we went through what we went through uh, with my son, the church came out big time. The church came out and surrounded us and helped us, and they took care of everything. They brought us meals. They, they, the house had fallen into disrepair because Brennan couldn't fix it. We had people came and remodeled the bathroom, put new flooring in. They painted the house to clean the house. We had kids doing landscaping. The church came out in a marvelous way. The body of Christ, the local church, the ecclesia, you are a called-out group of people that God wants you to continue to build each other up and pray for each other, encourage each other. That was one of the greatest testimonies to Brennan's unsaved family was the church showed up. Somebody from the church came forward and paid for the funeral. Because we went to pay the bill, and they said someone took care of it. I'm like, really? I mean, the body of Christ, when you're functioning together and building each other up, it's the most powerful, most beautiful thing that this world can see is the body coming together and sustaining each other. So I encourage you to pray for your leaders. Pray for your pastor, his family. And uh, I just wanted to just, again, the whole idea really comes down to this. I want to close with this. It all brings us to worship, doesn't it? We worship him. We're here to worship him. Everything I shared, everything that we've been through in our life, I give to him in an act of worship and praise and thanks for all that we've been through, that he has sustained us and kept us and protected us all through these things. And we look forward to what he's going to do in the future. So let me just close with a word of prayer. Father, we come to you, and we're thankful for you, for your faithfulness, your, your goodness to us, your grace and mercy. Father, I pray that as we make a transition to communion now, Lord, it's a, what a great way to end this time together, is worshiping you, thanking you for the fact that 
Jesus, you understood it was like to become sin. You gave us your righteousness. You took on our sin. And that has to be the worst kind of suffering that we can't even begin to imagine. Sinless God becoming sin for us. We praise you and thank you. In Christ's name.